Hey there. Hey, how are you this morning? I'm doing good. How have you been doing? I'm all right, man. Thanks so much. Thanks again for having me. This is great. Thank you for coming on. And you want to, well, this is your podcast, everybody. You want to introduce yourself for anybody who hasn't heard the first one? Oh, hey, my name uh, is Cairo. I am a, uh, what they would consider a green witch and pagan practitioner for the last about 35 years. Okay, and we got some holidays coming up. We do indeed. We do indeed. So I'm kind of excited about these because um, I'm really excited to kind of show the convergence of uh, Celtic and Afro-Caribbean culture, um, kind of as well as uh, uh, touch on um, ancient Roman and um, fantastically bondage holiday coming up. So I'm, I'm pretty excited. Yeah. So... Like, uh, Lupercalia is the origin of Valentine's Day, right? Like, that for Celtic and or Roman people? Um, it is. Uh, so, um, it's really different than it was, uh, when Christianity, of course, took over, uh, uh, ancient Rome. They kept so many of the symbols, but sort of changed the faces, um, to make sure that they could still uh, keep pagans kind of in the fold and make sure they collected their taxes from them. So yeah. uh, for real, that was the whole deal. Um, like February 15th and uh, it's the celebration of the she-wolf who raised Romulus and Remus that actually built Rome. So they were, these twins <clears throat> were thrown into uh, a river and there was a servant who like, pity on them and, and took them out and a she-wolf found them, supposedly raised them, and that's who was supposedly built Rome. And were there, were people divided between Romulus and Remus? Were there people that followed Romulus and people that followed Remus? How did that work? So not necessarily. They're kind of, okay. because they're twins, they're kind of one and the same. Um, they're, they're like not necessarily considered gods. Um, they're just revered. This uh, celebration is definitely um, uh, definitely about the wolves. An interesting thing kind of that that um, goes on is that, so here's the deal that, you know, you can kind of see the, um, the connections on. So their mother was actually, um, the, the twins were taken and thrown into uh, the Tiber River because she broke a vow of celibacy. And so that was, okay. yeah, so that was her punishment for not being celibate is her, her children were taken and thrown in a river. I don't know about you, but it seems to me, <laughs> man, <laughs> right? Yeah, crazy. Right. So take it out on the kids. Oh, for real. Don't, I mean, don't people still do that? Divorces, right. So <laughs> Lupercalia, um, it's the seat, it's the she-wolf honoring. Um, so here's the scoop. Uh, originally, um, goats and dogs were sacrificed uh, to this, this, the idea of this great mother, the, the unseen. And they cut fresh uh, pieces of goat skin right off of the goats, obviously, the goat hide. And they would, uh, the priests who were called, um, oh, what were they? They were the Lupiker. The priests uh, would run around uh, whipping women. Um, with these bloodied 
uh, throngs of goat hide to help ensure fertility. And no, it's a little weird. If you think about it, <laughs> there's like a whole subculture that's into this kind of thing. So like, who am I to judge? I don't know anything, you know, <laughs> for real, like do your thing. Um, so they're, so yeah, they were supposed to be blessed with fertility and it got kind of intense. And here's a couple of the, the connections between this and Valentine's Day. So you would... Um, put young men and women would put their names in a jar, like a literal clay jar. And one of the priests would choose out a name from the female jar and one from the male jar, or um, they could choose two males or two females. It kind of just depended uh, on what that person's preference was. And they would um, put those two together as a couple. And those two would very often stay together until the next um, celebration of Lupercalia or um, some of them would go ahead and, and get married. And these young people were supposed to copulate like as much as possible to ensure the fertility of the earth. It, it wasn't, um, so sexuality and intimacy and sex was not seen as like this big taboo thing that you didn't talk about. It was pretty well out in the open. And um, uh, it was it was celebrated. So there's there's the kind of romance and coupling aspect of Valentine's Day. Now the color, Okay. Yeah, right. So the colors are red, pink, and white for Valentine's Day. Well, they were also those colors for Lupercalia. The reason why is because the priests who would sacrifice these goats and dogs um, would smear their face in their blood and then wash the blood off with milk um, in order to, uh, it kind of made like a, a legitimate literal fertilizer for fields. And so that's basically what they were doing. It's a little gross and weird if you think about it, but <laughs> I mean, you know, some religions think they're eating bones and drinking blood every Sunday. So, <laughs> like, what? Yeah. What was Saint Valentine? Like, I I don't know too much about this holiday period. Do you know anything about Saint Valentine? Or? I do. So the idea with Saint Valentine, there's there's two main stories, mythos that surround him. The one um, one of the ones that are kind of the most popular and the most recognized. Um, is that he married people who were not supposed to get married. So people, uh, uh, soldiers were not supposed to get married. Um, people were not really supposed to marry outside of their uh, loosely based caste system, you know, servants, masters, those kinds of things. Okay. Yeah, so they were not supposed to get married. Well, he went around and did these ceremonies in secret anyway, um, basically uh, seal these people together in love, especially soldiers who were probably going to go die for Rome. Um, yeah. the, uh, right. For real. Cause they, I mean, you know, <laughs> terrible things happen. That's all I can tell you yeah. <laughs> for real. Um, the other one was that St. Valentine, uh, um, had so much love in his heart that he prayed over the blind and made blind people see. And so the first thing that they supposedly would see was love in his eyes. And so those, those two stories, definitely go together with the red, white, and pink, the coupling, um, the, the, the little cute secret Valentines used to slide into, you know, your friend's lockers in junior high, you know, so it, um, those, those symbols are kind of timeless. They just faces. It's the same thing, all except different, maybe the bondagey part, but again, <laughs> there's a whole community that's into that. So, you know, whatever, it's not my business. Now, with, like, uh, the Celtic cross or whatever, yeah. breaking it down into the solstice and the equinox and everything, right. 
the mid months, the cross within that cross are actually more important holidays, right? Um, they can be, yeah. Uh, so this this one coming up um, is considered by some to be Candlemas and by some in bulk, and it's pretty much the same deal, all except different. Um, and this is usually between February 1st and 2nd. Um, okay. Right. And so so the big deal with this one is the goddess Breed, and actually her name became Bridge, uh, Bridget, and then became a saint. I'm sure you've heard of Saint yeah. Bridget. Yeah. Well, originally she was the Celtic goddess of uh, smithcraft and poetry and healing. Um, then, of course, you know, as the Christians came in, uh, they took the gods and goddesses and made them saints so that the, the pagans would feel more comfortable um, switching over to Christianity and, and uh, you know, uh, paying their taxes and all. Uh, so so smithcraft, of course, in Celtic cultures is extremely important because if you don't have a good smith, you're not going to have horseshoes. Your, you know, your tools and, and your weapons are not uh, you're not going to have them. And so smiths were definitely uh, seen as um, people who were touched by the gods. Super important. And so what it does is this whole holiday is about the first inklings of spring. Utah, the weather has been weird this year, but generally, yeah. I know, right? It's weird. But generally in Western Europe, uh, the first inklings of, of spring, like the, the snowdrops, crocuses, whatever you want to call them, would start to peak their heads up. And um, it, it, at this time of year, it starts to be noticeable that daylight gets longer, um, that the sun comes up a little earlier. You can actually see the sun these days, you know. Uh, so yeah. this was the point where you encouraged the sun to come back. This was the point where... You know, you you lit your candles and you gave your offerings and your prayers to breed uh, so that you would be healed. And, um, the, you know, this is the halfway point um, between now and the spring equinox. So definitely in Western Europe, uh, it, it, it was much more noticeable than it is in Utah this year. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Yeah, no, it's weird. Year. It is, it is. And it's also um, like it's the beginning of the farming calendar. So even like farmers' almanacs and stuff, very often they'll start um, in February instead of January. Does the, uh, isn't St. Bridget's Day, um, isn't that part of the Christmas like holiday season? Um, it, isn't, doesn't that mark like the last Christmas celebration? So it, or I might just be making that up. <laughs> so I've heard that and that that is um kind of the, okay so there are traditions that definitely celebrate uh saint bridget um as the close of all of the holiday season and kind of the beginning of, you know of of the next year the next um uh you know the next solstice it's the halfway point or i'm sorry to for the equinox it's that halfway point so there are traditions that do celebrate her as being the the uh, last of the uh, uh winter holidays for sure Okay, yeah, I'm in this we, uh, weird Christmas podcast I listen to, and I mean, there are so many Christmas holidays. Yeah, you know? for sure. There, there, a lot of saint days around Christmas. There are, and they're just kind of, they're, they're endless. They just keep, <laughs> they just keep going. And I think that's, I think that's great because human beings need that. They need to mark that. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, just to celebrate. It's winter time. Everything sucks. You need another oh, day. Oh, for sure, right? everything does suck, and we we need a minute to kind of collect ourselves and and understand that it is going to get better, and we just have to keep going. And I think that um, that is a very traditional, very human 
needed um, and belief system. I mean, we just need something during this time for sure. And what do you think, like Valentine's Day? I mean, because there's a lot of Saints days. Oh yeah, right. Like what, pretty much every day. What made Valentine's Day corporatized? Like, what brought that into the corporate world? So the so Just, what I, my understanding, and of course, I'm happy to be corrected if if I'm wrong, but a lot of this actually came about um, during the Victorian times uh, in the United States. Um, and the reason being is because, uh, of course, as you know, Victorian times were very buttoned up and very proper and, and very modest and very prim. And um, they, uh, suitors could not actually say how they felt um, to the to the person that they were suiting. They they or courting. They had to um, communicate through bouquets of flowers. And so certain flowers had certain symbolisms and would mean certain things. So let's say you. You were giving like, oh, you know, a, a pink rose. That would mean like gentle, sweet, possibly marriage love. Let's say you got a red rose. Well, red roses were like, oh, you know, this is all lusty. We're going to, you know, let's have sex kind of situation. So red roses were not given out that often. But I mean, all of the flowers had a specific uh, secret meaning that those bouquets would impart without uh victorians being improper and saying hey let's take this to the next level hey let's you know this was their way of letting you know either that they really cared about you or that they kind of thought you sucked a little bit and needed to go away for real <laughs> what color was the kind of suck so color? i'm not positive about this but i did hear that violets <laughs> um were considered uh you're we're done let's not do this anymore and then what stamp what stamped not of course was violet candies and sugared violets uh, and, you know, violets uh, being used as flavorings for a lot of things. You can still get um, violet candies. And a lot of times at weddings, especially pagan weddings, you'll see sugared um, violets, which just means, you know, um, to kind of counteract the negative. So you're not going to break up as, a, as an endless sort of cycle. So I think that's, you know, a lot where that came from. Um it, they're great. I mean, there's like you can get lists online of different meanings of uh, flower bouquets, um, what they used to call nosegays. Uh, you can find all of those uh, online and you can go through them. <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe you don't like your boss so much. <laughs> maybe there's in their future. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that and birds like birds had all these meanings. Right. too. It's related to Christmas. It's. it's... I guess they, you know, they didn't have TV and stuff. They had to come up with this. Somehow. Yeah, for real, for real. And and the Victorians were so buttoned up and so stifled that uh, even the legs of their furniture were like legitimately covered because you couldn't. Uh -huh. Really? Yeah. You could like you couldn't even say legs. You weren't supposed to say legs, and you weren't supposed to see them. So like, if you got a flash of an ankle or something during Victorian times, that was like a big. Uh, that was like the flirtiest thing you could have, you know, you could have done at that time, which is interesting because some folks and not everybody, but some folks have said that during this super uh, tied up tight Victorian time where the corsets were so tight and everything um, was a lot of war body piercings and um, uh, the, the whole bondage stuff came about. Yeah, right? that's crazy. Yeah. The, um, I, I know that, like Christmas, you know, when um, 
Charles Dickens published mm -hmm. his book. I mean, that that really did help bring Christmas to where it is now. It's just it's weird because there are so many saint days and, you know, the corporations just decided on specific ones to capitalize right. on. You know, I don't was it like Coca-Cola or I mean, was there a major flower store or chocolate store that decided to do the show? I, OK, so I, I'm not positive about this, but what I think um, who I think was first kind of starting to do that is uh, Woolworths as well as Hallmark. OK, yeah, no, I'm, I should have looked into that. But what's uh, you know, we've got st patrick's day coming right. up too and uh i mean this is a irish irish saint that's right. not irish <laughs> and like i i always thought with st patrick's day they he kind of uh stole Absolutely. their culture yeah you know what i'm saying do did he do they celebrate st patrick's I day don't in know. ireland um i have no idea i there and the reason that I don't know is because some people say they do and some people say they don't. I think it really is regional and depends on the individual. However, what I will say is a lot of people uh, that are um, drawn to pagan uh, old school traditions do not like St. Patrick, not only for the um, cultural appropriation that he did, but there are uh, there is some um, evidence to state that the, when he actually drove the snakes out of Ireland, um, what that was, was him actually giving over uh, pagans and magic practitioners to witch hunters. So uh, a snake, yeah, for real. So yeah. snakes and paganism, most uh, most traditions find them, uh, you know, not scary and not a symbol of sin, but simply a symbol of, of transition or alchemy, change, change brought about by will, those things. So they they're not you know, some scary, oh no, scary snake, uh, biblical situation. So, so, um, there is evidence to say that, that, uh, St. Patrick did do that. However, recently there's been, um, a little bit of study saying that he didn't, but again, it was so long ago and there's not a whole lot of written content that you can actually trust because a lot of what was written down, uh, as you well know, of course, uh, was written by people who were very well educated, who meant people that had money, meant that uh, people could be purchased and and bought, and you don't write and you yeah oh Just absolutely like today. holy crap <laughs> absolutely so you don't really know what their intentions were in in writing this uh, information so you, you can never really know um, I think. It's weird to yeah. see it because, um, you know, like you started from a pagan, yeah. a pagan holiday that was Catholicized mm -hmm. and now we're in this like corporate area right. of the holiday. I mean, ca Catholicism's kind of dying One off. Can only it's hope. not the major <laughs> yeah. religion in the world. I said it. <laughs> you, it's, uh... If anybody's mad, don't get mad at Scott. I did it. You can get mad at me. I did it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I'd. I don't care what anybody says on the podcast. You got to, you know, people yeah, got to voice real. the opinions. I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, I, I think uh, if you just try to keep everything cooker, cookie cutter clean, like nobody wants to listen to that. There's so many podcasts with people just trying to, you know, sell right. themselves and stuff. I think, you know, you need real people talking about their 
and what they're what they believe in. And that's sure. the only way you learn. You don't you don't learn from you know the PC idea of what everybody's going and on. And also with. learning. Um, I have felt well. I'm also a high school teacher and have been for you know twenty plus years. But the you never really really learn unless you're uncomfortable unless you really think about what that other person is saying and apply it in your own mind to your own life and think, how would I feel? What would I do? How would that experience have shaped me if I had had it? And those are hard things and they are uncomfortable because you constantly have to look at your own prejudices and your own preconceived notions and take them apart bit by bit and go, nope, that's not the way. Nope. Or yes, I can see, you know, because you have to you have to be uncomfortable to learn for sure. I wish you didn't because it'd be like so much easier, but sadly. <laughs> you do. Yeah, no, I mean, you got to have some bit of empathy to just think, like you said, in somebody else's shoes. I mean, you have to be able to feel what they're believing to be able to even, you know, think about right. it. And isn't as that the name of the game? Compassion, empathy, open-mindedness one can only hope you know what I'm saying because these are such hugely important ideals in my life in all aspects of things that uh when I see a person that doesn't have those things and and can't have the ability or chooses not to have the ability to be compassionate or to truly listen or to be empathetic to a situation that doesn't necessarily even pertain to you like that is not a person I want anywhere near me (laughs) because I just don't like I'm old enough that I can decide I can pick and choose, you know, who I who I want to interact with and who I don't. Yeah, I want I want to find a a good Catholic priest and a Jewish rabbi and then have all of us sit down. But I just I have to find somebody who's not going to shoot everything down. You know what I'm saying? Like they can't just be right. And that's the end of the discussion. But there are people out there that do, I mean, I've, I've seen, you know, priests and Muslims and different people interact where, you know, I mean, they can just talk about it I th- naturally. I think so. I think so. I think um, if, if uh, you're looking for, a, I would check Cole Ami, K-O-L-A-M-I. I used to work for the Jewish Community Center as a teacher a million years ago, and um uh, they are way less strict and a little more reform there. It's not like a Hasidic uh, temple anymore. Um, they, they've got female rabbis, et cetera. So, you know, you might find someone who's a little more open-minded that way. Um, it's it's what did Kol, you, K-O-L, you and then there's the next word is Ami, A-M-I. And yeah, roughly translated, okay. that means all together or all is one. And so the, again, they're a little more reformed. So it, it's going to be, you know, a person who can actually shake my hand, even if female. So. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. People get crazy. They get set in their ways. And, you know, I mean, it just, it amazes me when you see people that are dead set in their ways, but they've never even like, that's just what was told to them. And it just can't be wrong. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I get that. I get that. So in uh, in high school, how's the COVID stuff um, been doing? So I, gosh, I it's so hard for me to to say this because um, I I have such um, 
sympathy and compassion for folks who are going through it and who don't have access to a vaccine yet. Um, I, uh, as a teacher, uh-huh. and especially because I work at a special ed school uh, with folks who um, aren't quite as developed uh, emotionally and socially with some of their hygiene habits. Um, that's all I'm going to say there. <laughs> uh, and so I'm exposed yeah. every day. Like there's not a day that goes by where I don't have somebody sneezing or like legitimately moving their mask to um, pick their teeth, et cetera, <laughs> et cetera. Uh, so I was, um, <laughs> as a special ed teacher and a high school teacher, I was able to get my first dose of the vaccine on Friday. And I understand that like, I'm not protected at all until, you know, that second dose. And I totally get that. But it was really like, um, it's really hard for me to say that because I feel so bad in some ways that I got it and other people didn't. And so I haven't even like posted that anywhere that I got it because I'm still really struggling with feelings of, oh my God, you know, all these other people need it too. Um, And so that's when, you know, becoming empathetic and sympathetic to everybody gets really hard because it's hard to accept things uh, for yourself. Um, there are teachers that have COVID. There are teachers, parents who have passed from COVID. There are students that have COVID. There are students, parents who are in hospital with COVID. There are people on oxygen uh, from their parents that from COVID. It, it's, um, I will guarantee from where I'm sitting uh, and, and understanding m- that I am a part of a, a community of people who don't want their kids tested because they don't want the school to shut down. I know that the numbers that they are reporting are yeah. much higher than we're being told. Much. Mm-hmm. I've got. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm uh anybody can have my vaccination. Oh, yeah, I, I, mean, I won't get into that, but uh yeah, I I'm trying not to get um, it. <laughs> I, and I understand why you're feeling that way. Like, I, I totally do. Um, but in my situation, I'm as happy as possible that I did get it. Uh, I'm I'm fine with that. Like, yeah. I didn't get or the measles either, so I'm good with that, too. <laughs> yeah, well, it should be people's choice. If somebody feels safe uh-huh, for sure. getting it, go for it. But, uh Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that's a whole podcast in itself yeah. that piss everyone yeah. off. <laughs> uh, do they do like Valentine's Day stuff at schools anymore? I mean, is that because I, I know with my kids, even in elementary school, it seems like they kind of died off from all okay, holiday so, activities. Uh, I don't know because I, I in when I taught public schools, they did and they made the cute little um valentine's boxes with the doilies and it was like the cutest thing ever i loved that and and when i was in elementary school that was like a big deal like i loved it and you know as i taught mainstream schools it was super fun for me too um presently because we're in a a special ed system who deals with folks that are still really trying to navigate emotions and navigate um if i don't know if rejection is the best word or any of those type of uh, like um, intensely emotional, especially love relationships with kids who are, you know, dealing with some other uh, developmental struggles. We sort of, because people really got hurt and they got so sad 
And it was just a big emotional day for so many people that we kind of switched it up into friendship day. And so I know it sounds like super like PC and whatever, but it's actually turned out really pretty fun. Um, before COVID, we would hire like the inflatable sumo dudes, you know, and the kids got to sign up for sumo yeah. wrestling and T-Rex inflatable wrestling. And it was just like super fun. Um, we did like all of that, like Ninja Warrior kind of awesome, but don't really actually die. <laughs> uh, <laughs> calisthenics and all those fun <laughs> exercises and the kids really liked it um we had a, we used to have a stomp but of course because of covid now what we're doing is we separate the schools into different areas of or i'm sorry separate the floors we have three floors and um different classrooms into different levels of activities so if there's some kids who get like super overwhelmed and super overstimulated there's quiet rooms there's tabletop game rooms for the kids that play like D D and magic and and uh Pokemon and all that stuff. And then there's rooms where people like the kids get to do arts and crafts. And um, so, uh, and then the, we have a really nice like uh, commercial kitchen that trains a lot of our kids to work in the food industry. And so, you know, they get to make little treats and stuff. So it's, it's actually turned out a lot better than I could have ever seen happening for real. So it's actually kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. no, as long as they're having fun. All uh, about especially for our kids who have such a, a hold on um, schedules and, and that rigidity for that schedule is so important for them. Like I totally get that because it, you know, helps quell anxiety, all of those things. I understand that. And so what we do is we advertise it like two weeks in advance and have, you know, so everybody knows that it's coming. So it's not a big shock. And then they can, you know, break out of their routine and, and yeah. experience some other stuff. It's, it, there's, it's so fun and cute and it, it's great. You know, it's, it's great. And, and, you know, it's definitely cut, cut down on the hurt feelings and the feelings of rejection. And that's been really nice. Yeah, no, that's cool. I mean, I, yeah, I never even thought about that, but just like giving out like cookies and cakes and stuff that might, yeah. as you said, they need to be in a schedule. Well, they get to like, sign up for, yeah. yeah. And they get to sign up in yeah. advance for what they feel like they want to do. So there's, there's that feeling of control, uh, you know, they get to pick. So they're, it's, that's not being thrust upon them and they're not miserable. Cause I, I don't know if you remember even, you know, mainstream schools when stuff was thrust upon me, I hated it. You know, the mandatory mile run and stuff. I'm yeah. like, are you kidding? It was, <laughs> yeah, I hated it. I don't know about you, but man, I wasn't into being told what to do. <laughs> Still not enough. Yeah, no, I've. Right? I got out of school as quickly as I could. I, I did not like it one bit. I don't think, I don't think kids are supposed to be sitting in a class. Yeah, I agree. Eight hours I, a day. I, you know, I think that's... that. Um, uh, well, and honestly, like if you think about it, going back to uh, agrarian calendars, the public school system is basically based on still an agrarian calendar, where well, the, the kids need to be home in the summer to help on the farm, to help with the crops, to help with the animals. And they need to have a big fat winter break because they've got to, you know, prep everything for the spring. And, and so all of, and the amount of time that they're in, in school, all of that um, really should be looked at and changed because we really are not in an agrarian culture anymore. We do need more time off. We do need um, more intensive studies, less hours a day. Like I'm totally there. Let's do it for real. I think that's no. Do you think it has a <laughs> no. chance of doing um, that? 
<laughs> not in the foreseeable no. future. And, you know, going back to your question about the COVID situation, for me, the reason why I do not see that happening, and for a lot of other teachers, this, the so many parents depend on the school for legitimately, like, everything. So they're getting uh, at school every day, two yeah. meals and snacks. They are um, getting clothes from the school. They're getting winter coats and boots from the school. They are, um, they're getting, uh, you know, there when the, the dental, the student dental offices and stuff come in, they get their teeth checked. They're getting eye care from the, the schools. They're getting ear care in terms of uh, um, hearing tests and uh, referrals for uh, financial aid and ship. And in order to get like your hearing aids and your glasses, they depend on the schools for almost everything. They depend on us for discipline. They depend on us for uh, childcare, for lack of a better word, for folks that don't want their kids at home because they're difficult. Yeah, I said it. I said it. <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, no, I think that's true. Oh, for, it is. For a lot of people. Yeah, kids are hard. Get the kids I, out of the dude, house. I know. I'm around them all day, every day. They are hard. It's not easy. And especially the folks that I'm dealing with. And so their their parents, you know, as much as they struggle, a lot of these parents have like legit gone broke trying to take care of their kids, trying to pay for their therapies yeah. and pay for, you know, their different play groups and everything that those kids need to have the best chance in the world that they can. And so by the time we get them, parents are broke and are like looking for, you know, to make sure that their kids are fed every day. And well, they Absolutely. still got to go to work, too. I mean, that's my wife and I for the past 10 years have been sort yeah. of pushed into like property management uh -huh. as our third job just because yeah. we need to be there with the kids. Because, I oh, mean, boy. we had another young one again. So, but yeah, I don't I don't know what you do. You know, I mean, exactly. Child care alone is. Oh, oh insane. Expensive. Like it's not even worth working because almost your whole entire check is going to go to child care. The reason they have to do it is because they need their insurance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a great way. No, it's uh, hopefully. Right. And I feel like it, I, I'm hopeful bit. that it will. And I'm hopeful that the current uh, model of uh, schooling switches up a little bit too. It's a lot. Um, there are kids who get dropped off, you know, in, in certain schools at seven o'clock in the morning because their parents have to go to work, et cetera, and don't get picked up till 530 at night because that's when their parent gets off work. So that means we have that kid for three meals a day, all of the snacks, all of their emotional needs, most of their physical needs is us. And the average teacher makes $31,000 a year in Utah. Dude, yeah, I you gotta move to California. <laughs> I am, yeah. They make yep. up there. <laughs> well, everybody's yeah, moving out. No, I know, man. I'm there. Coming in. <laughs> I have been talking about it and thinking about it for a long time, for sure, for sure. I'm, uh, I'm gonna end it here, and then I'll send you this new link right away, or uh, just right. let me know when you're ready, and I'll send you the link, and then that sort of helps with the audio lag. So Sounds great. Hopefully I'll see you in a it turns second. out Thanks, good man. this time. Hey, you back? Yep, I'm here. How are you? <laughs> Long I'm time to be. Uh, you got another holiday you celebrate at this time too, right? 
I do, I do. Um, so uh, as I kind of chatted about last time, um, I was raised around hoodoo and voodoo root workers. Um, and so this was interesting because you mentioned St. Bridget's Day. Well, uh -huh. uh, Mama Brigitte's Day is coming pretty quick too. So here's a really interesting story, like the connection um, between this uh, hoodoo voodoo loa and Celtic tradition. So loas are kind of like the intermediaries between us and like uh, the divine God, goddess, creator, whatever it is. So that particular in most uh, hoodoo and voodoo traditions, um, that particular creator is very indifferent towards us little humans. And so there are loas that kind of act on our behalf um, to kind of help people along their path. Um, there's not like a buttload of worship in these types of traditions. There's more respect. So like they respect spirit, respect respects you. It's um, so it's, it's not like a whole, I'm going to drop on my knees and, and you know, praise your feet kind of situation. It's, it's actually one uh, much more of respect. Uh, like most pagan traditions, especially like Asatru, the uh, Norse Viking traditions, there's not like a lot of, deep on your knees worship. There's a lot of respect. Like we don't bow to our gods. We don't kneel to our gods. We ask them to empower us and walk with them side by side. So it's not, um, so that's something that we should probably try to clear up about the hoodoo voodoo situation. And, and you know, the whole voodoo doll thing, like Hollywood's got it so wrong, man. It freaking kills Yeah, me. It's like not even close. So I listened to something uh, like a podcast or something on the voodoo doll, and that's just like fantastically made up, right? There's like, oh yeah, not even close. No, yeah, it's pretty much bullshit, like top to bottom. <laughs> I said it. I can. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I'm. I'm old. <laughs> These things come out of my mouth. <laughs> just tell everybody I'm senile. It's fine. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Mama Brigitte. Okay. She uh, she came about um, actually during the time of, of what um, PC-civilized folks would call indentured servitude, which is okay. which is basically another name for slavery. Um, and so uh, Celtic folks, especially the poorer ones like uh, the Irish and Scottish Welsh folks um, who were basically considered Celts, the English didn't really consider themselves Celts and and they kind of thought of the, uh, during that time especially, kind of thought of Celts as a dirty word. Now they're like, oh, crap, we killed an entire culture. And we're like, yeah, thanks. <laughs> so <laughs> they did uh, folks, and uh, a lot of their criminality, they, uh, their punishment would be uh, what they would call transport. And basically what that meant is uh, uh, people that were going to, quote, unquote, the new world um, we're going to need servants and these folks are in jail. So let's throw them on a boat. They didn't even know where they were going, like straight up did not know what was going on. Just like, you know, the po the folks from uh, Haiti and Afro-Caribbean and uh, uh, Guinea, all of those places, they didn't know what the hell was going on. It must have been terrifying for all of them. So the kill probably their first time on a boat. Absolutely. Like out at sea too. Absolutely. And, you know, they, they didn't know where they were going and it was a long, horrible journey and every, you know, people were sick. It must have been horrific, right? For everybody involved in this horrible, horrible slave trade. Um, what a blight on humanity. It's just embarrassing. Uh, so they get to uh, the Americas, uh, you know, mostly North America, and they uh, are um, 
basically working alongside uh, the Caribbean, the Afro-Caribbean, the African uh, slaves, right? And so the Celts started um, including voodoo and hoodoo into their traditions and started sharing their traditions with the uh, Caribbean religion, African religion, voodoo, right? So the cool part about that was, is that one of the loa that are the intermediaries, one of the loa that became super popular was Mama Brigitte. In many uh, voodoo cultures, she's seen with white skin and red hair. Not every and not all, but most of them, they uh, see her very pale with a whole lot of red hair. So um, I'll just slightly Celtic. <laughs> um, so she's the, uh, she's kind of the, the, the uh, protector of motherhood. Um, and she's definitely associated with uh, healing and justice, kind of like uh, Breed was. Um, so the most important thing that we can remember about her is she's like a extremely powerful protectress, especially of women and especially against um, situations of uh, like domestic violence, violence against women, all of that. She does not play. She does not play. Um, and like her favorite thing, when you when you celebrate Mama Brigitte Day, um, you make sure that you infuse some rum with hot pepper leave it up for her. Um, it's often she's seen in, in graveyards and it's not because she's scary, but it's because she's there to transport um, the living to the land of the dead. A lot of times cemeteries, the first woman buried belongs to Mama Brigitte. And so that woman is um, can be seen alongside with her or work with her in a way to help the dead find their their next spot basically um and remember how i kind of told you about how uh voodoo uh disguises their their loa their deities etc um behind christian saint under the yeah yeah so she's she would be mary magdalene because she's oh she's really strong in her sexuality and very comfortable in her sexuality and her sexuality really i mean that's it's definitely not a bad thing in that tradition either. So again, she's like super uh, punitive justice. Like that is her people that do the wrong thing around her. And like, it's definitely the wrong thing. It's not like, Oh, you didn't say a prayer before you ate. It's like, I put my hands on a female that I shouldn't have put my hands on kind of situation. And I think that's great because um, unfortunately, you know, especially most women are, and it is true that most women are uh, uh, sadly, um, uh, sufferers and victims of abusers, especially in uh, North American culture. So it's really great to have. It's a, yeah, it's like a super high percentage, isn't it? I think yes. I just heard it's like seventy or eighty percent or something. It's eighty percent who are victims of some, okay. some sort of um, um, sexual abuse or uh, sexual violence. Um, yeah, it's it's insane. Like in Utah, it's two out of every four girls and one out of every five boys. So, I mean, can you imagine your children? Like, would you not do everything you could to make sure that that person didn't take another breath? Yeah, no. It's, uh, but they only get seven years and then they get to get back out. Right, and, so. right. so that's fair. Where's Dexter when you need him? <laughs> so um, I kind of laugh about it, but I'm not laughing about it really. Um, and so uh, I... I also um, have been abused. Uh, I was abused until I was 14 and left home. And as an adult, 
also men have definitely put their hands on me. They've, they've hit me, those kinds of things. And I'm not like the minority here. So for me, Brigitte is like, um, so it's such an important symbol of, per, of protection and of safety uh, that uh, for me, she's just, she's the embodiment of justice and, and, and righteousness and not having to suffer any longer. So she's pretty amazing. Um, some folks celebrate in bulk, some folks celebrate Candlemas, um, some folks celebrate St. Bridget's Day, some folks celebrate Mama Brigitte. It just kind of depends on the culture and really what you're comfortable with. Because I have found that I would say 90% of the pagans that I know uh, practice a variety, a mishmash of tradition. And because there's no rules, there's no one thing that says, oh, you have to do this because this is the only right way. Oh, you have to do this because this is the rule. There aren't rules. Um, except for basically don't be a dick. Those are, those are pretty much, that's it. Um, your bodily autonomy is completely respected. Uh, you know, all uh, there, there aren't rules except to do your best to be kind and compassionate to one another. That's it. So what do you guys do for the celebration? Like, do you guys have a feast? Is there like a set feast? Or? Yeah. So depending on what tradition you align yourself with, um, there are, uh, of course, you know, there's always a ritual and the ritual often begins, not always, but often begins with the calling of the quarters, which uh, um, each direction. Um, so you have obviously north, south, east and west. Each of those uh, are assigned or acknowledged a specific element that goes along with them. So south obviously is fire, uh, you know, north is earth, west is water. Um, East is air. So those kinds of, uh, sometimes people will invoke like guardian spirits of those things. I, I don't particularly want to do that because I might fuck it up or something. Yeah. I don't know what I'm, I'm, I mean, and I've been doing this for 35 plus years. I'm like, I don't know. So, and some people just like have a compass already drawn out, uh, on their floors so that, so those things are already called into place without actually having a guardian spirit or some something like that in place. The, the the most effective calling of the quarters that I have been a part of, and this is again, just for me, is when the compass was already set and the people that were calling in the quarters were saying, they were beginning by saying, I feel. And so for West specifically, you know, I'm kind of a big fan of the ocean, what can I tell you? Uh, for, for West, he was saying, I feel, I feel the surf on my toes. I feel the pull of the ocean. I feel the sink of the sand. And so for those things, when people say, I feel, it's, uh, for me, that's more um, personal and more powerful than if they're, you know, calling. So they'll say, I call the guardians of the watchtowers of the East, whatever. And, and I don't want to do that. <laughs> um, mostly because I'm just, I'm just a little human person and I'm really not that important to be messing with that kind of stuff. And honestly, I don't want to yeah. make a mistake. I mean, I'm humble enough to know that I could. So, so the quarters. I don't even let my kids play with Hasbro Ouija oh, boards. I love so. them. They're great. <laughs> but I can see why you don't. I can see why you yeah, don't. Yeah, no. You don't want to do something on accident. Right. And, it. you know, all of that stuff can be seen as tools. And if you know what you're doing, a tool is a wonderful thing. But, you know, you can't give a toddler a saw. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> For yeah. real. So, you know, I think a lot of those things are, are great tools. And if if you, you know, are, are educated and, and 
you feel safe in doing such things, then that's fantastic. And it's totally none of my business. But usually, so what happens is they'll call in the quarters. And then uh, in many pagan traditions, there's a male and female priest and priestess. And they will, um, in a lot of traditions, they'll call down the goddess, which means they'll invoke a specific goddess for a specific rite. And then they'll call in the god and invoke a specific god for a specific rite. And then state the intention of the ritual. Um, usually what happens is like energies raised by, I know this sounds really scary, but it's not, I promise by like chanting or dancing or, um, that kind of situation just to kind of raise spirit and energy and focus. Sometimes fire, like a cauldron will be used, or if it's outdoors, you know, a fire will be used to, um, help focus energy or water can be used to help focus energy. And then, um, there's often, you know, like things written that have been written for, you know, since the seventies or whatever, that some people want to uh, memorize and state and other people do it like way more free form with drummers. And you just kind of do your own thing at your own pace. And there are other traditions that kind of lead you in a guided meditation. Uh, it, it's, um, it depends on the tradition, but those are basically the, the kind of the outline of most rituals. Um, like ceremonial and high magic does it differently, but again, that's you know, ceremonial and high magicians are often often very esoteric and kind of lean into more um, esoteric Judaism and Christianity than I do, and that I particularly myself love. I mean, I totally get the importance of those things, but it just it's not my thing as much, I, and I love respect for yeah. it, but, but for me. I, I just kind of lean in a different direction. You know, that doesn't mean I don't have respect and I don't love it. It's just, you know, I lean in a different direction. I'm definitely one of those barefoot out in the woods kind of people for sure. You know, they, do they have like, like you were saying priests, do they have like shamans that, I mean, are there sects yeah. of it? Like where you got some shamanic guy who's like, you know, taking peyote or dmt or something and talks to like spirits or i mean how do you know which sect to get into just sort of the people like check yeah. it out and um so as far as like public ritual and stuff um the, the the taking of any substance because it's in a public space like that's that's pretty much we don't ever do that a because Paganism yeah. and witchcraft and, and magical religions, those kinds of things are so misunderstood that we never know when we're going to get busted. I have been part of rituals that have gotten like, quote unquote, busted in the past. And it has scared the bejesus out of people, you know, not them, us. We were like, oh, my God, we're going to die, you know, yeah. for real guns drawn. And I was like, what the fuck? You know, I was terrified, right? I didn't know what was going on. I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute hauled aside you get put in cop cars those kinds of situations so public gatherings what do they get you okay. on like trespassing or what what would they have so get i you have on? had this experience twice i'm trying really hard not to have it a third time and so the first time that it happened uh we were up in a public campground that we had paid for and reserved in mill creek canyon and other people around us and you know what it's totally true there were a bunch of people there there were a bunch of people there it's true there were drums but again it was in the, through this particular uh um this was the summer solstice so for this solstice i mean it was in the middle of the damn day it wasn't late 
we weren't like messing up noise ordinances. Um, there were a lot of people there. I'm not going to lie. There were a lot of people there, but we were within the limit, the legal limit on the campground. So we had other families, five or six of the, those people that are surrounding us in those families call the cops saying that we were waving knives and swords in the air. That we uh. were, okay, no, that didn't happen. And be one dude who was like a full-on Scotsman, like back to the dark ages, had his clan sword put in the ground with his stuff because that's his tradition, that's his spirituality, that is him acknowledging his ancestry. And so they decided that because he had a, there was a claymore in the ground, everybody had to lose their shit entirely. So cops called, okay, and they come out of the bushes like everywhere, right? And we're standing in a circle and, you know, we're we're like, like, it was like legitimate kumbaya shit for real. We're like... (laughs) singing, holding hands. And, you know, it was like literally just singing, you know, nobody's naked. Cause that's another weird thing that people think we do. We don't, that's just weird. <laughs> and like, everything was cool and above board. Nobody was high there. No one was drinking. Obviously it's a public campground in Utah. There's no alcohol. Right. So we're good. Everything was above board. There were kids there like kids, kids. Cause it, this was not a, a tradition or a ritual that we were dealing with like some intense spiritual activity. Not at all. It was sweet and fun and kids were there and people were blowing bubbles. It was really sweet. And cops came, jump out of the bushes. Everybody's screaming. People are trying to figure out what's going on. People are scared. Um, like, cause it scared the hell out of me. Some dude was three feet from me and I had no idea. None. Right. So they scatter us out um, I had happened to be leading that ritual. Yeah, yay me, right? So I happened to be leading that ritual. So I was responsible for the group and I took responsibility. I said, yep, this is me. I did it. What do you need from me? And that actually really helped. They let other people, like they weren't detaining people anymore or whatever. They took me to the car, which was awesome. I asked if I could stand outside the car. I was afraid to get in the car as I would be, Right. So I asked if I could stand outside the car. I mean, please keep in mind, I'm, I'm, I'm biracial. So I was like, oh shit, somebody's going to kill me for real. So I'm outside the car <laughs> and I explain as calmly as I could what was going on, what the deal was, you know, they're throwing around devil worship and all this stuff. And I have to tell you, every Satanist I know is like the nicest person ever. <laughs> I swear to God. And the whole, they don't kill animals. It's not all weird. That's not a shtick, whatever. But I was like, are you kidding me right now? So it took like an hour and a half of questioning. They ran my ID and fingerprints. And here's the deal. Because I'm a teacher, I'm fingerprinted every year and have been for the past 20 years. So it's not like, you know, I have a background check every year. So, you know, there wasn't really anything for them to find. So everybody leaves. It's an hour and a half later. And I'm like, can I go? to go back to the campground break down the center altar you know put everything in the car it like there were people crying because it scared him so bad because this wasn't like a just hey guys what's going on here we've got a complaint there were people like legit with guns out jumping out of the freaking bushes at us i'm like holy crap like it was legit scary right so the next time that this happened uh thankfully i wasn't leading the ritual woohoo yay me i got off on that one um it was a new moon ritual. So obviously it's like dark. It was at night, but again, this is private property. We don't generally 
you know, infringe on other people's stuff because again, it is very misunderstood. And I'm like, people don't get it. And it's, you can't sit and educate somebody in 10 minutes. It's just not going to happen. So uh, we're doing a meditation drumming circle. So the, the dark moon magic that we were doing at that time was kind of like a banishing ritual. In a banishing ritual, what you do is you you can write down or make a braided cord, all of the shit that is going on or one particular terrible thing that is happening in your life. It's not a person generally, I'm just saying. You know, that's not something that most of us do. Uh, that we really need to get a hold of this situation and it's got to go. So whether it's trauma, whether it's uh, addictive behavior, uh, you know, these are little tools and little steps on your way to feeling better as a person and being a better person. So that doesn't mean you just do a banishing ritual and don't go to therapy. That's not what this is. What it is, is, is magically getting a hold of something that's really burdensome to you and letting it go so that the rest of the things can follow in line without, um, you know, without a bunch of roadblocks. So we're drumming. It's, a, you know, people are kind of emotional because they're trying to let stuff go. There's a big fire in the middle um, and people are throwing pieces of paper in, trying to banish negative feelings, negative emotions, abuse, you know, whatever it is that they're trying to get rid of so that they can take the next step in their lives. And again, freaking cops jump out of the woods with guns drawn yet again. And <laughs> so, so this time it was totally different because there weren't kids there and everybody just quieted down like immediately and it got real quiet real quick and i think it scared them more than they scared us at that time because everybody just got really quiet and stood stock still and started staring at them like what do we do now because we didn't and they think you're they think you're summoning right? and Satan it just seems to them, me huh? that's way too much trouble <laughs> so yeah no it, it... have you ever been to the yeah. the rainbow gathering you guys go to the gathering when it comes um, over I on the don't. West Coast? I have been in the past. Um, uh, I haven't recently, but I have been in the past. And uh, the thing that's more difficult for me is I am all for, I just, I'm going to say this on the podcast. I don't even care. I'm all for experimenting within your own limits and within a safe way. That is so your business. It's your body. You do your thing, Right. But I'm not comfortable being around, and this is just me, I'm not comfortable being around 200 people tripping balls on acid. Like, I'm not. I'm just not. <laughs> yeah, the Rainbow Gatherings, uh, we mm -hmm. went in 04, and I think it was the national. There were like mm -hmm. 10,000 people there. And like one who hasn't gone, that's it's just a trip. There's no, right. no electricity, right. no toilets. Uh, everyone got staph infection As the year would. we were out there because we, you know, yeah. boiling the water yeah. good enough. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was fun. I think those things are fascinating. And I think a lot of those uh, groups, uh, maybe not Burning Man necessarily and E11 and all that shiz, but. Got the right? stream now. Yeah. I, I, I think yeah. that, again, those rituals are incredibly important to people. And they don't know why. Yeah, I was in um, one of them. I mean, there were hundreds yeah. of us out there all in a circle. And, um, you know, I didn't really know what was going on. I was just kind of along for the ride. But yeah, it was pretty cool. You know, you see all the people and they got the stuff they're doing. And yeah, it was fun. An experience. I think that's great. And I think it's important for people to experience those things for sure. I'm 
don't want to be around 200 other people uh, tripping balls. I, I don't. That's my I don't care what other people do, but yeah. for me, it does not feel safe. Like, and that is obviously because of, you know, my, the way my brain works, but like, if, if you're going to, you know, attune yourself with a shaman who uses peyote or ayahuasca or LSD or shrooms or whatever, Hey man, that's great. You just really want to do your homework first and make sure you actually know who this person yeah. is. Background checks are not a bad thing. They're just, you know, <laughs> Yeah, no, For I mean, real. that's how cults start, you know, if you just blindless, blindly follow some dude right. tripping balls right. all the time. I mean, there's definitely some uh, skill in that. And I think I think you really need the uh -huh. pass down knowledge. You know what I'm saying? Like there needs to be that um, ceremony or oh gosh, for sure. My life is cyclical. I base my life on cycles and that's the way it works for me. I think, that, you know, uh again, and I say this a lot for me because there's no hard and fast rules besides try really hard not to be a dick. I mean, that's pretty much it. And, and if you screw yeah. up, you have to apologize and you need to do what you can to make up for it. And everybody could benefit right? from those. Everybody for could sure. benefit from They're those They're so roles. easy. And it's just those two. Uh, otherwise, the rest of it isn't any really, it isn't anybody's business. So, you know, I mean, you just don't, some folks have this whole harm none kind of mentality and that's that's great and fantastic but the problem is if you eat a cheeseburger you harmed someone if you started your car you harmed the environment if you told somebody to fuck off in traffic then you've made their day bad you know you as a person on the planet you're going to harm things so my idea is just to try to do as less as least as possible Yeah, no, I mean, I was vegan for seven years yeah. and you run into those, uh, you know, it's like monocrop agriculture Ugh. doesn't, you know, you're still, you're contributing to for violence real. no matter what you do. You buy something on eBay, you buy something in Walmart. It's just, it's a hard, unless you're going to go live out in the woods and, you know, only right. survive, then there's going to be right. violence I, behind I've whatever you do. I've also been a vegan, but I have to tell you, I kind of missed my ability to count. <laughs> my brain just went to mush when I was a vegan. It did not work. Good. I had no problem. I went vegan. Like I didn't even, I wasn't vegetarian first. I was eating a DiGiorno mm -hmm. pizza and I was like, man, how many animals oh, are on no. this thing? <laughs> you know? And then I just sort of, I don't know, went with it. And I was yeah. vegan for seven years. My uh, wife and mm -hmm. kids were vegan for a while and then um, they got off of it and then I'm buying all this fancy yeah. food, you know, and it's just like, what, what am I doing spending $4 on hamburgers when I could be buying them for, you know, yep. 25 cents a piece. I totally get that. I totally do understand that. And, you know, I, I eat meat very, very rarely. And I almost never eat red meat. I don't, I don't even remember the last time I did. I never eat pork, but those, you know, those are just my, my decisions, you know, that's just, that's just on me. Uh, I would love to only eat meat that yeah. I harvested. It's just, you know, it's like all these lifestyle choices and stuff. You just, you need time, you know, after uh -huh. getting off your second job, you really want to cook an hour long meal or do you want to throw something oh, exactly. in the microwave and call it good? It's just, 
everything it, it breaks does, down. It does, and time. you're exactly right. And we have to think about who put that situation in place to begin with. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think it was a planned out. Oh, absolutely. The top one percent. Um, you know, they don't don't want the workers poking, poking their heads up and revolting. That's not what they want. They don't want that at all. Because, you know, if you val if you if you are valued as a human being and uh, and you work hard just to work hard and not to only stay on your insurance, uh, where's the reward for them in that? There's no reward for them in that, you know? But if you keep scared and sick and keep your nose to the grindstone, yeah. they win. It, uh, I, I think that's just a losing battle. I think this election, I mean, we've seen it. You know, I'm not a Trump supporter or anything, but just the, just the way they're talking about free speech at the point now and like sure. censorship and stuff. Like, I'm not a conservative or anything, but it's just like it's scary. I totally feel to that. I, I do get that. I think the thing that's interesting for a lot of folks is that. There are tons of cultures in the United States that have been censored forever. And finally, other people are starting to take notice because they're like, oh, shit, I don't want you telling me what I can and can't say. But try being a brown person. They'll tell you what you can and can't say. Try being a female. They'll tell you what you can and can't say. And so I think that it's fascinating that all of this is happening at once. Um, I also think it, it lays the groundwork for either a whole lot of chaos or a whole lot of change. It just depends, you know, which way people decide they yeah. want to go. Even with the cultural stuff, you know, it's like putting people in black, brown, white, or yellow. It's like you lose a lot of culture oh, yeah. with that. I mean, Africa's huge, huge. You know, there's yes. a ton of different culture in there. And we've just sort of plumped people from Haiti and, you know, the Caribbean and all these people into Agreed. one set. I mean, it's it's sad to lose the culture. But, I mean, when you get into a populated place like America, there is... Like, uh, you know, you have and somebody right. from a Congonese person get with a Irish person and then, you know, then they have to make a decision. Well, which culture are you going to sure. breed, you know, or believe in? And then it just sort of well, fades and, away and into and America. In some ways, I think maybe that's not so bad. And hopefully we can take the best from every culture and try to make it uh, attainable for everybody without without stomping on it. And of course, with giving it its due respect, because like for me, I mean, I'm super Celtic on the one side and super not on the other. And, you know, my my folks uh, on that side were all slaves. Um, my great great grandmother was purchased at what they call a quadroon ball, which is where light skinned um, uh, African-American Caribbean Haitian folks would get purchased uh, to basically be a mistress for white dudes. Yeah, that's yeah so i mean uh, well yeah i mean they, they called it quad crazy. because you know you didn't they didn't want you to be more than a quarter brown or they wanted you to quote unquote pass as white uh so yeah when i was a kid uh my mother um would do what they called the porcelana treatment they'd stick me uh in the bathtub and rub this porcelana lye cream all over my skin uh, and it would take out so it would take out bleach out pigment and it was so painful and they did it week after week after week after week it was awful awful oh man i would yeah. 
Crazy. I would be so bright red I mean, and even... parts of me would be bloody. It was it was awful. Yeah, it's crazy what I mean, everyone, I mean, nowhere near the extreme, but my mm -hmm. when my grandmother got off of the boat, you know, she so, had to lose her accent yeah. immediately. You know, that was frowned. And it's just uh it is. It's it weird is really what we weird. Do. It is really <laughs> weird. You gotta just keep all the as much of it as you can alive and it's great like to hear about the different oh, holidays yeah. and celebrations i'm a richer and... person for oh. um uh studying so many of these things and also honestly like i've listened to a boatload of your uh episodes and i've learned so much from your guests it's been great yeah no it's fun you do learn a lot hopefully oh, you know sure. hopefully i keep it going i got some uh some interviews lined up that's and great. some stuff that's already preloaded. Thanks again so. so much for having me back on. That's that's awesome. Thank you. Well, thank you for coming back on, and then we'll try to get you on here. Yep, we got, spring equinox always got is a holiday around up. the corner. If you can believe it, hopefully, you know, we'll make it to spring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll see. I feel I don't you. Know. For it's real. Getting yep. crazy out there. Oh, you're well, the best. Thanks, thanks for coming so much, on. Scott. You have a great it. day. Have a great day, love. Okay, bye-bye. Take it easy.